Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our first reading today is taken from Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The second reading today is Hebrews chapter 2, reading verse 5 through to 15. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for them. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honour and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. Now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. 
For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Well, I wonder how you are today. Here we are 14 months or so into this pandemic, and I wonder how it's affecting you. I read an interesting article in the paper recently about how people are coping at this stage. The article said, are you feeling flat? Are you feeling listless? Do you suffer from brain fog? Are you having trouble getting on with things? Are you struggling with Zoom meetings? And the paper said there was a name for it, which is that we're languishing. It's a psychological term, and it was uh, coined to describe people who, on the one hand, are not depressed, but on the other hand, neither are we flourishing. We're in the middle, we're languishing. And it's the absence of well-being. And it might be the dominant emotion of 2021. There's disappointment, there's tiredness, things feel grey, we're languishing. I wonder if you feel that way. If you do, I wonder how it's affecting your work life. I wonder if you can see how it might be affecting your family life. I wonder if it's affecting your spiritual life. We live in a fallen, broken world. We feel that and we taste that in many ways all the time. I'm sorry to just hear about the death of your mission partner, Andrew, just, uh, very recently. COVID really has just underlined this over the past year or so. And where is God when life is hard? Well, the wonderful news that we're about to see this morning is that God has not left us on our own. Now, his son has come into this broken world to save it. If you've been here over the last few weeks, you'll have heard the opening chapter or so of this wonderful book of Hebrews. And so far, we've seen in chapter one that God's son is glorious. He is fully divine. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, it says, about the son of God. It's an amazing high point in the New Testament. But God the Son is not distant from us. He's not um, uh, relaxing on some celestial deck chair up in heaven while we languish down here in the world. Now, the brilliant news of Hebrews 2 is that he rolled up his sleeves and he waded into this world to put it right. The Son shared our humanity. That's the main truth that we're going to see from Hebrews 2 today. The Son shared our humanity. And he did it to bring us three things. And here's the first. We're looking at verses 5 to 9. The Son shared our humanity to bring in the world to come. And let me read verse 5. It says, it's not to angels that he subjected the world to come, about which we're speaking. And the author there is speaking about our future hope, the world to come, the new creation. It won't be angels who rule the world to come. 
It'll be human beings. And to show that, the author quotes from Psalm 8 that we had read to us a few minutes ago. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Psalm 8 was written by King David. And David gazes up into the black, starry night sky. I wonder if you've uh, done that recently. And he is bowled over by just uh, the fact that God would care for little old us. We're tiny. David is amazed that God would put us in charge of his world. Yes, David knows about sin and about the fall, but still he is amazed at the dignity that God has given us. Well, that's David. But our author who wrote Hebrews feels differently. Hebrews looks at Psalm 8 and aches for when we will rule the world perfectly. He says, yet at present, we don't see everything subject to humanity. Now, what do we see? We see COVID ravaging India. We see threatening behavior from China. We see marriages under strain. We see cancer. At present, we don't see everything subject to human rule. But we have a future hope, the author says. There is a world to come. One day we will see everything under control, everything ruled well, the world as it should be. And how do we know that? Well, we look at Jesus, verse 9. We see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. God the Son shared our humanity. The Son of God, the divine Son, became Jesus the man. He died for sins. God raised him, and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, crowned with glory and honor. Jesus is the pioneer. He's the forerunner. He's the pathfinder. He goes first. He's glorified already, and one day all of us, his people, will be too. And then at last, the world will be ruled perfectly. The Son shared our humanity to bring in the world to come. And don't we feel the need for that world? Just watch the news on TV. We live in a broken, sinful world. Someone once quips that uh, the news is where the presenter says, good evening, and then explains why it isn't. Perhaps at the moment you're afraid of long COVID. Perhaps you're afraid of unemployment. Perhaps you worry about the environment. Uh, Greta Thunberg, the environmental activist, she cares passionately about the damage that we're doing to this world. She once said this. She said, I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. I want you to act as, if the world, as you would in a crisis. I want you to act as if our house is on fire. Because it is. And perhaps you feel something of that dread. And it is absolutely right that we as Christians care for the world that God has made. Ministries like Arosha do great work. 
But can you see from this passage the hope that Jesus holds out to us? It's a hope that speaks into all of our anxieties. It's the hope of a world to come. A world with no sin, no suffering, no funerals, no pandemics, no global warming. A world ruled well. That's why Jesus came, to bring in the world to come. Now, who will be there in this world to come? Well, secondly, Jesus shared our humanity to bring his family there. I'm looking at verses 10 to 13. Verse 10, it says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. So God's plan is to bring his sons and daughters to this world to come. And if that's his plan, then it's fitting for him to provide a savior to take us there. Now, what does it mean that Jesus was made perfect through what he suffered? Well, we'll see later that Jesus suffered through fighting temptation. He fought sin and he never gave in, not even once. And that suffering makes him perfectly able to help us as we fight temptation. And that's wonderful. But even more important than that is his death. When Jesus died on the cross, he saved us from sin. He became our perfect savior. And who did he come to save? Well, these verses say time and time again, he came to save his family. Just look down at verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy, that's Jesus and us, are of the same family. So Jesus isn't ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Now this letter is written to Christians who are having a tough time. And the world looked down on them. Just like in most places around the world today. But Jesus doesn't look down on his people. No, we're his family. And our author proves it from the Old Testament. He starts with Psalm 22. That's the very famous psalm all about the cross. Uh, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It starts, words that Jesus himself quoted as he hung on the cross. It's a prophecy about Jesus dying. It speaks about Jesus' hands and feet being pierced and so on. But the psalm then looks beyond his death and it sees victory. Just look at verse 12 in our passage. Jesus takes the words of the psalm onto his own lips And Jesus says, verse 12, I will declare your name, God's name, to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And that's best taken as a glimpse of the world to come. Jesus gathering with his family, his brothers and sisters. And Jesus praising God, singing to God with his family. Well, our author moves on and he quotes Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah was a faithful prophet and he preached God's word, but the people didn't believe him. And verse 11, Isaiah said, well, I will trust in God. Here am I and the children God has given me. 
meaning Isaiah and his wife and his children and the small number of real believers that there were at that stage. And again, Jesus takes the words of the Old Testament onto his own lips and he fulfills them. And he says, I will put my trust in God. I am the children God has given me. Jesus trusted God. And if we do the same, we're his family. And one day we will praise God together in the world to come. He shared our humanity to bring his family there. I wonder what, I wonder what your experience of family has been. Some of us are from very close and loving families. Some of us are from broken and painful families. Uh, this past year or so has made us aware of our families like never before, I think. We felt the lack of family members that we haven't been able to see, perhaps a grandchild or a brother that we haven't seen for months. We felt grateful for the family we have been able to see, and we felt the tensions in family life like never before. Lockdown and restrictions haven't been easy. Uh, the footballer Ian Rice has been open recently about the abuse that he suffered growing up. Uh, he says that he doubts he would have survived lockdown if it had happened when he was growing up in his family. Well, whether good or bad, none, none of us has had a perfect family, but we will in the world to come. If we're trusting in Jesus, we are his family. And we have a wonderful hope. Uh, David Schwimmer is the actor who played Ross in Friends. And he was talking about why the sitcom is still so popular even today. And he said this, he said, it's a fantasy for a lot of people having a group of friends who become like family. And sadly for a lot of people, it only ever is just a fantasy. But in the church, it can come true. In this world, the church is flawed and imperfect, and we know that, and we wish we were more holy than we are. But in the world to come, Jesus will make us glorious. We're his family. So it is worth keeping going with his family now. Uh, well done for persevering with church through COVID. Keep being patient with each other as things open up and as uh, changes are made. Way to be wonderful here at Forward to be able to meet all together again in your refurbished building. That'll be wonderful. And how much more wonderful will it be to meet together with all of Jesus' family on that final day in the world to come? He shared our humanity to bring us there. But how will he do it? Well, as we finish, he shared our humanity to bring us through sin and death. And verses 14 to 18 give us an extraordinary, powerful description of the salvation that Jesus brings. Verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. God the Son shared in our flesh and blood. He came to die for us 
to save us from death. It was back in the Garden of Eden that the devil led us into death. He tempted Adam and Eve to disobey God, and he gained the power of death over us. And we're now in slavery to the fear of death. We dread it. Uh, COVID has underlined that, hasn't it? There's a non-Christian family that we know in Doncaster. Uh, The husband isn't much older than me. He's shielding because he has poor health. And he's terrified of COVID. And he basically hasn't left the house for a year and a quarter. The devil has the power of death. You can imagine the devil uh, standing in shadow, dressed in a a black cloak. And he's holding a, a tall black staff with a silver skull on top. He has the power of death. But when Jesus died that first Good Friday, wonderfully, he shattered the devil's staff. He broke his power. He came to save us. Verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. When Jesus died, it was a swap. He took the sins of his people on himself. He took God's wrath for that sin on himself, and he died to bring us to God. He made atonement at one moment. He died to bring us to be with God, to be one with him again. And he didn't just die and leave it there. No, he'll help us every step of the way until the world to come. Verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. That's you and me. Jesus is sympathetic. He's eager to help. He's only ever a prayer away. Can you see from these verses how thorough Jesus' salvation is? These are amazingly rich verses. Jesus shatters Satan's power. He frees us from the fear of death. He pays for our sins. He helps us daily until the world to come. Isn't he magnificent? What a thorough salvation. He came down from heaven. He took on our humanity And he came to drag us out of the filth of sin and death. Maybe you've seen the film Les Miserables that came out a few years ago. Hugh Jackman plays the hero Jean Valjean. And there's one very powerful scene. Valjean is rescuing his wounded friend Marius. But to rescue him, he has to drag him through the sewer under Paris. And they both get absolutely covered in filth. It's a stomach-churning scene, just this unmentionable, thick, brown sludge. And you see Valjean gagging, and he's up to his neck, and even beyond, in this horrible, thick, foul muck. And he's dragging his friend through to rescue him. His friend is dying. Well, God the Son came down into this messy world and he came to drag us through sin and death. He came to forgive us and to cleanse us and to bring us into the world to come. Perhaps you're not yet a convinced Christian. 
Perhaps you know something of the mess that sin brings. Perhaps your conscience tells you that you've hurt others, you've ignored God. Maybe you know something of the fear of death and of standing before a holy God. Well, please don't miss what Jesus offers here. He offers a complete salvation. He offers forgiveness, a fresh start, a place in his world to come. It won't always be easy to live his way and not your own, but he promises to help you every day. I hope you want to find out more. And for those of us who are following him, let's never drift from this great salvation. We're all tempted to drift at times. I'm tempted to drift at times. Perhaps one or two here today or watching online have already started to drift. It's very easy to do, particularly if we're watching remotely. It's so easy because no one else is noticing. Well, don't forget what Jesus came to bring us. Here we are in this world now, and it feels like we're languishing. But there is a world to come, and Jesus will bring us there. Don't drift from him. And we're his family. Yes, he's our king, he's our God, but he's also our brother, and he loves us. And he came to drag us through sin and death to glory. So let's not drift from him. Let's pray for his help now as we close. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you came to share in our humanity. Thank you that you came to break the power of the devil, the fear of death. Thank you that you came to pay for our sins and to drag us through sin and death out of that mark and into the glorious world to come. We praise you and we pray that you would help us to not drift from this wonderful salvation. Amen.